Support for the Fact Checker podcast is provided by New Pioneer Food Co-op. Celebrating 50 years as Eastern Iowa's source for locally and responsibly sourced groceries with stores in Iowa City, Coralville, and Cedar Rapids, and online through Co-op Cart at newpi.coop. Welcome to this week's Fact Checker Podcast. I'm Elijah Decius, the Gazette's feature reporter. I'm Michaela Ram, the Gazette's healthcare reporter. And I'm Marissa Payne, the Gazette's Cedar Rapids government reporter. And we are missing um, our usual compadre on the Fact Checker Podcast team, Erin Jordan. She is out enjoying a much-deserved day off that we will press on without her. This week's Fact Checker claim comes from State Senator Joe Bolcom who um, represents the district with Iowa City, I believe District 43. Before our governor, Ken Reynolds, gave her response for the national GOP to President Joe Biden's State of the Union speech, um, Senator Bolcom here gave a speech on February 28th titled, uh, The Top 15 Things Governor Kim Reynolds Will Not Tell Americans. I have boiled those down to about four claims. The fact checker is only able to check verifiable claims. So if Senator Bolcom expressed maybe an opinion or a statement that could not be easily measured, we did not include that in this week's check. Senator Bolcom did provide some sourcing to the fact checker on his claims. And with that, we'll jump into it and get started. The first claim is that rural Iowa continues to decline. 68 Iowa counties lost population over the last 10 years. Well, Iowa's population overall grew about 4.7% uh, between 2010 and 2020. The growth was centered largely in its urban centers. Um, and two-thirds of the state, um, that's 68 of our 99 counties, saw population declines over the decade. Um, only a handful of rural counties um, saw uh, population gains, um, some small gains, and those were mostly um, in northwestern Iowa. Uh, the Census Bureau released data in August of last year showing that 80% of Iowa's growth is happening in our four largest counties. So that's Polk County, Johnson, Lynn, and Scott County. Um, Dallas County has also been making some headlines lately um, as one of the fastest growing counties in the nation. Um, And it's the fastest growing county in Iowa um, with a growth rate of over 50% in the last decade. An Iowa Watch analysis also showed that um, about 7 in 10 of the state's uh, towns with fewer than 5,000 people lost population or they stayed stagnant. Um, And urbanization is definitely um, a huge concern here. And um, everything stated in the senator's claim here is um, completely true. So I gave this grade an A. Do we want to discuss these individually before we kind of move on then? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. What do you guys think about that one? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't have much feedback on this one. It's straightforward. Um, yeah, and, and the data matches up, so I agree with the A. Yeah, I agree with the A, too, since I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Um, and, you know, the data is from the Census Bureau, so that also, you know, it's a good source to back things up with. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. We can trust the Census Bureau. (laughs) Well, I hope so, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that one was pretty straightforward. Um, The next claim um, from the senator's speech is um, that, quote, state support for local schools is so low that 81 school districts won't get even one additional dollar from the state, end quote. Mr. Volcom provided an article to the left-leaning Bleeding Heartland um, and some documents to the Legislative Services Agency, which is nonpartisan, on House File 2316, which was the bill dealing with an increase to supplemental state, uh, state supplemental aid for schools. For the next fiscal year, the SSA, as they refer to it in shorthand, was increased by 2.5%, and that's $181 per student. I mean, I think it's been pretty consistently close to that rate for the last few years, if I'm not mistaken. The Legislative Services Agency estimated that total state funding for public schools and education agencies would increase by $172 million with this fiscal year. There's always been kind of an argument going back and forth between Democrats and Republicans. Democrats are saying Republicans don't support public education and they're cutting funding to our schools. And that's something... Republican legislators emphatically deny. They say we put through a 2.5% increase this year. We've been doing similar amounts in the last few years. Um, And the Democratic response to that is typically that those increases are so small that they don't keep up with rising costs, so they amount to effective cuts in funding. The Legislative Service Agency documents um, do confirm uh, Senator Bolcom's claim that 81 school districts will see um, an $8.9 million um, adjustment in um, budget funding here. Um, that's a decrease of about 65% compared to the last fiscal year. Um, and effectively, what that means is that those districts will not see an increase in their funding. But here's the catch here. Um, that's mostly due to the fact that their enrollments have um, declined to the point that a 2.5% increase in state aid can't help them. Um, and you know, going with um, the last claim on um, urbanization in Iowa and the decline of rural counties, um, you know, education goes hand in hand. Um, I gave this one a B because most of it is true here. It's true that 81 of these school districts will not see an increase in funding, um, and those districts have shrunk. However, in the context of um, pinning that to a lack of support from um, the Republican-controlled legislature and um, governor's office, um, you know, I don't think it stands up. Um, Stagnant or reduced funding um, is a natural consequence of lower enrollment, and we have um, fewer students being enrolled in a lot of these rural districts. A lot of these rural districts are um, combining into... Um, one district when they don't have enough students to survive. Um, So I think there's plenty of room for debate on this one, though. What do you guys think of it? Yeah, this is a really good one. Um, So I just had a quick clarifying question, Elijah, just to make sure I understand. So when you're talking about the 81 school districts who see the um, 8.9 million in budget adjustment funding, so when you talk about a decrease of 65.85%, is that an actual cut in funding? relative to sort of their enrollment or what does that really mean? I think it's a reduction 
the the language from the LSA document was not clear. So I was unsure about this myself, but I believe that's just a comparative number to the increases they've seen in previous years. Meaning like, um, you know, if I give you a million dollars this year and next year I give you an increase of um, $450,000, you're still getting $450,000 more, but that's a 65 percent increase mm. from the raise you got the year before, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does. Okay. So it's essentially kind of that budget adjustment of I'm used to having a million dollars, but now I have to essentially cut that by 65%. Yeah, that was my interpretation of it. Anyway, I'm not um, an expert on that. But um, I do know that it effectively means that the districts who have um, seen significant enrollment declines, um, they won't get any funding raises this year. Okay. Okay. So really what Senator Bolcom is kind of arguing here is, yes, we've seen, um, you know, aid to schools increase by this 2.5%, but is that increase enough to keep up with increasing costs, increasing um, sort of budgetary demands that these school districts are facing? Um, and essentially he's saying, no, it's not. Um, you know, that is a good question. I you know, on its face, kind of thinking about this, I would agree with the B um, because it is true, right? Um, these 81 school districts won't see an increase of funding, but, you know, it also takes into account the context that, you know, this is sort of a consequence of, you know, declining enrollment and declining population base, just which is what this funding is based off of, right? Um, so, yeah, I would agree with that. But what do you think, Marissa? Uh, I'm, I'm just curious, how many school districts are there total in Iowa? Like, is 81 school districts most school districts? No, it's not even close. We have imagine. 300. Okay, this is from Wikipedia, so it could be outdated. But um, in the 2016 to 2017 school year, there were 333 school districts. I would venture to say it's slightly low now just because of, of rural consolidation let me look a little bit further here and see if I can find something. The Iowa Department of Education is saying we have 327 school districts now. So and then what does this funding mean for, you know, 327 minus 81? You know, what does the funding change mean for them? Like, is Volcom just zeroing in on the ones that are, you know, not getting additional money? In this claim, he's he's zeroing in on the ones that aren't getting additional funding, but that's mostly due to their enrollment declines. But I mean, you do bring up a good point. 81 districts is, you know, that's roughly a quarter of the state's districts. So that's a pretty large number. And we are a very rural state. Yeah, because I mean, I don't think that necessarily changes that, like, I, you know, Volcom is mostly right, but it also does shed light on the context of you know, in the state's total, you know, in the total education sphere of Iowa, you know, this is what we're looking at in terms of funding. Yeah, for sure. So what do you think about the grade? Would you change that? No, I, I wouldn't change it. I would still agree with the B just because it is like mostly true, but there's that kind of additional yeah. context we talked about. I think the, the predication for my grade here was mostly based on, in this claim, the link between state support and a decrease in funding. It's, it's trying to posit a, a cause and effect here. And 
I mean, it, while the numbers here are mostly true, that's that's where it, it got off a little bit for me. Yeah, because he's he's not making the argument that like the governor's growth policies pertaining to rural Iowa are leading to a decline in schools or you know something like that. Um, he's basically pinning it directly on like school funding itself and arguing that there's not sufficient funding to, you know, support all these schools. Um, yeah. 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 And, you know, he, this list of um, 15 claims that he made, he made in his speech, they were, you know, going one by one by one. He didn't elaborate on each of them. They were just very much quick hitters. So there's not a whole ton of elaboration or context on, you know, what he was going into here, but I, I do think we get a pretty good idea just from that one sentence. Yeah. Right. And it's certainly at odds with what the majority is saying, right? That, you know, we've been successful in supporting school funding. We've increased funding again this year kind of thing. And so he's sort of, it seems pointing out that caveat um, of what this looks like for a quarter of school districts. It's sure, maybe an increase, but is it enough to really meet kind of the budgetary needs they have? Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move on to the next claim. Um, the next claim was, quote, despite the increasing frequency of massive flooding and severe storms, Governor Reynolds is a climate change denier, end quote. Um, and so this one was a little bit more difficult to check um, just because you um, don't often come across um, legislators and politicians um saying specifically, I am a climate change denier. I do not believe in this. I mean, sometimes you do, but um, uh, most folks are a little bit more nuanced about it. Um, in support of this claim, um, Senator Bolcom cited an opinion piece from the Des Moines Register um, by Jeff Biggers, who is uh, the founder of the Climate Narrative Project. Um, and he also sent an AP article on um, the governor's refusal to allow um, Attorney General Tom Miller to join um, 21 other states who were suing the Trump administration um, over a policy that um, relaxed regulations on coal-fired plants. Um, some of you might remember that Iowa's attorney general now has to get permission from the government to join um, other states in, in those sorts of lawsuits um, that happened a few years ago. What I could find was a quote from the governor saying that quote, when I, while I think it's a factor, I think it's overstated, end quote. And that was in a 2018 debate um, with Fred Hubble. And she said that Iowa is working hard every day to do its part when it comes to renewable energy. We can also look at some of the things that she has done. Um, her task force on carbon sequestration uh, did not have any representatives at all from environmental groups, um, according to some Iowa Capital Dispatch reporting um, last June. Uh, Joe Bol uh, Senator Bolcom also pointed me to the Iowa GOP's platform for 2020, which does explicitly say that um, all mandates associated with alleged global warming, that's the language they use, um, is something that they oppose. So um, obviously the governor and her party are not one and the same. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, but it was an interesting fact to point out. Um, I gave this a C. I, I feel like this was kind of a half-and-half half situation here. Um, there's some pretty reasonable inferences 
that can be um, made about where Governor Reynolds stands on climate change. Um, and she herself has said she believed the effects of climate change were overstated. Um, but altogether, I don't think that amounts to um, a denial or enough to explicitly say Governor Reynolds is a climate change denier. What do you guys think? Man, I have some thoughts on this. I keep kind of going back and forth on the grade. Um, you know, to, to your point, you know, you point out the quote where she said she thinks that it's overstated, right? Um, that certainly gives inner, you know, where she, where we can in, infer where she stands on the issue. So yeah, I, I definitely agree that it's not a baseless claim. Um, is it maybe kind of a stretch? I'm not sure, but you know, to your other point that the Iowa GOP platform explicitly states that the party opposes mandates associated with, quote, alleged global warming. Um, I mean, you can't, it's true that she doesn't speak for the whole party, but you can't tell me as one of their biggest elected officials that she doesn't also represent that um, in the sense that, you know, if she says she has an issue with that particular um, party stance, you can't tell me that the party would you know, not have a discussion about changing that wording or sort of changing her stance on that. Um, and cer she certainly has a lot of power in kind of what the state does with that too. Yeah, for sure. I think that's probably one of the sticking points where I struggled too. Man, yeah, because I mean, we, like at the federal level, we look at the president as the leader of, you know, their respective party. So, I mean, at the state level, you know, sure, we have an Iowa GOP chair and, you know, other like top party officials, but I mean, the governor really, you can't just like abdicate that connection there between the party and the official. Um, and it seems kind of like, a, a, you know, other instances that we've seen from the governor. I mean, even just looking at the pandemic of trying to straddle this line between like, you know, their science on both sides Mm -hmm. of an issue, um, you know, that she's claimed with, like, whether mask wearing is good or not. Um, you know, so there just seems to be this effort to straddle the line of, like, it's hard to tell from that statement where she fully stands on climate change, but the fact that she won't, like, full-heartedly say, you know, yes, this is a problem and we need to do something about it, even though the science on the issue makes resoundingly clear that like climate change is a serious threat. You know, I don't know. So it yeah. is tough since she hasn't outright denied it, but the fact that she's saying it's overstated is at least, at the very least minimizing the problem. Maybe it's not as strong as a denial, but she's downplaying it. Yeah. Yeah, I would completely agree. And that's, sorry, go ahead, Elijah. Well, I, I mean, that I think that's just the task at hand, whether, um, you know, downplaying something uh, equates to a denial. Yeah, see, I would think, in, in my mind, um, it would be between a B and a C, because, I mean, as you said, it's not an outright denial. But to be fair to her, she, um, you know, has, has also not sort of described herself as that denier. But at the same time, she also hasn't really embrace the severity that is climate change, the, the implications of it. Um, and, you know, just sort of these kind of um, associated statements with her, with her party, um, that's kind of where it toes the line, like Marissa said. So in my mind, 
it, this would be a B at the highest, but I don't know if, you know, artists, what, what the group thinks, if that, if that warrants that, or if the C is kind of right in the middle that she's, you know, the line yeah. that she's sort of balancing too. I mean, for me, it was like an A and an F were definitely out of the question. Right. Um, I, I struggled between a B and a C too. And I think I was just, I wanted to err on the side of caution with a C. So it's whether the, you know, kind of these caveats with, you know, Governor Reynolds are more true than less true in my mind, right? Like, yeah. um, because C is sort of middle ground, but B would be more true than less true. So do we think that these would be more true or this claim specifically would be more true? I'm not sure that it does equate to more true. And I mean, it's difficult because our job is to put together not just what people say out loud, but what they don't say out loud. And that's, I I don't know, that's where I'm struggling here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, context does matter. And I mean, the other like GOP moment we're seeing with similar like straddling of this line is, um, you know, that white supremacist conference, or I forget like the technical name of that conference, but, you know, we're seeing a bunch of GOP officials nationwide being criticized for associating themselves with Nick Fuentes, who has made, you know, white supremacist statements before. Um, but they're trying to like abdicate their responsibility by associating themselves with him by claiming to have like no knowledge of what he stands for and the things that he's said. But you, you know, like, like you just know that they're not being truthful because, you know, there's just no way when you're at that level of political office that you or the people around you are going to let yourself associate with someone whose values don't align with yours. So the, you know, the fact that there's not like a full throated, um, you know, disagreement from Reynolds with the GOP platform of, you know, alleged climate change, you know, that's telling. And I mean, you could potentially make the argument that if she did disagree with the party platform as the already elected governor, do you think she would speak uh, speak out loud in opposition to her party's platform? True, right. Yeah, I would think no, right? Um, you know, if most of the party, you know, agrees with that statement or aligns with that statement, um, I'm sure she's certainly not going to be trying to alienate any voters ahead of the election. Yeah. I don't know. In my mind, I see C as a grade probably as the safe bet, just kind of given the information we have. But what, what do you guys think? I would tend to agree just because we're so, uh, we can't decide on whether it should be a B or not. (laughs) Marissa, is that how you feel? Yeah. I mean, I don't love it because it's like, you know, we can see like what's going on here with straddling the line and that's, you know, frustrating as a reporter, you know, we operate in like fact and provable truth. But I mean, if you look at like, you know, we just gave the last claim a B and that to me is like a much B, so I think the fact that this is so murky warrants probably a C. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we just have to work off the information we have and not what we think it could be or, you know, what inf- inferences we can make off of it. Yeah. Okay. I think we'll stick with a C then. 
And the last claim I checked is a, another relatively dicey one. Um, uh, Senator Joe Bolcom said that, uh, quote, uh, the governor believes, actually believes Donald Trump won the 2020 presidential election. Um, and getting into what a politician believes rather than just what they've said or what they've, um, you know, done on the record, you know, like with the last claim, it, it can be difficult to prove or disprove. Um, I did ask him about this claim and in an email, he said to me that, you know, she wants it both ways and that, um, she is constantly raising, um, questions about the legitimacy, um, excuse me, the integrity of our elections even though we um, haven't found evidence of any significant problems. Um, on December 10th um, of 2020, um, the governor released a statement saying that she would have supported Iowa um, joining the lawsuit um, filed by the Texas Attorney General um, with some other states seeking to overturn um, election results in Pennsylvania Wisconsin, Michigan, and Georgia. And um, for those of you that remember or don't remember, um, the Rust Belt states there, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, they um, went red for 2016 um, when President Trump was elected. Um, It's kind of the white whale that the Republican Party had been looking to get for a while. Um, And then President Biden um, narrowly... um, turned them back blue again in 2020. Um, and a, a lot of results in those states were, um, you know, like most of the country, mail-in ballots um, in the heat of uh, the first year of the pandemic here. Um, Governor Reynolds said um, that she believes um, President Trump and all of his supporters have, you know, every right to pursue legal action um, and that folks deserve a fair and transparent election process. Um, and she did wait until two months after the election to concede um, that President Biden was legitimately elected. Um, she told WHO TV in Des Moines that she believed he was legitimately elected, <clears throat> but that she um, believed there were enough concerns about the integrity of the election process to um, look at things a little bit closer. Um, before we put them to bed. Um, In support of his claim, um, Senator Volcom also cited an instance at a Trump rally um, in Iowa last October, um, October 2021, where she, uh, President, the former president, did um, speak at length about election fraud, um, and she simply did not correct him when she got up on the stage. Um, I'm giving this one a D here. Um, even with some of the concerns raised um, by the governor about widespread election fraud, I, I don't think it's completely accurate to say right now in March 2022 that she believes Donald Trump won the 2020 presidential election. Um, yes, it did take her two months to concede that Joe Biden won the presidency, um, but she did do that in, in rather explicit terms. Um, I think this claim would have had a little more merit if it had been um, you know, made in at the end of 2020 or, um, you know, even very early 2021. Um, but at this point, it's just not as accurate. There's a nugget of truth there, but um, it doesn't go far. Marissa and Michaela, what do you think?
Yeah, I would completely agree um, with the conclusion you've come to, Elijah. Um, I mean, like you said, if this had been a statement we were checking prior to January 2021, might be a different grade. Um, But yeah, as as you say, she explicitly stated, um, you know, she does believe uh, President Biden has been legitimately elected. Um, But yeah, that's not to say that there are some concerning statements she's made about um, the election that uh, I think mo- many experts agree really kind of threatened the integrity of a lot of elections. Um, you know, this all kind of comes about um, shortly after, I think it was yesterday or the day before we had some news breaking about um, Texas throwing out, what was it, 13% of um, its ballots due to strict election results, which is a huge number compared to what we typically see. Typically, I think it's like 2 or 3%. Um, so, I mean, that's that certainly I think this claim kind of speaks to a larger issue. But, um, yeah, on its face, I, I would agree with the D because I think it, you know, gives it that negative truth without, um, you know, <laughs> saying that that Volcom is correct and that she believes that Trump is still president. Yeah, I agree with Michaela um, on a D, especially since um, for those first couple months, there was there were kind of some things that the governor said that showed she obviously didn't fully believe that uh, Biden legitimately won the election. But the fact that since then, um, you know, from the WHO interview, she she said quite explicitly, you know, I think he is legitimately elected. Yeah, we we can't give, you know, it's not an accurate statement that Joe Volkel made. Yeah, for sure. And I'd be interested to probably talk to um, Volkel about why he's bringing this up at this stage in the game, other than um, maybe playing to his base. Uh, It seems to be a pretty settled matter to me, but anything else we haven't talked about? No, I think he did a good job with this one. Um, And typically for these kind of claims, we we don't give an overall grade. And I'm assuming that's going to be our approach for this one too. I think that would be good too, just because I mean, it would be difficult to calculate an overall grade because we don't do pluses or minuses. And I mean, we have one A, a B, a C, and a D. So it's like, if you're averaging those out, it would be hard to put a solid grade on it. So I think that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, Michaela, do you want to talk a little bit about the claim we have coming up for next week? Yeah. So um, I believe we have agreed on a check for a representative Marionette Miller Meeks. Um, for next week. So um, this, uh, so she made a tweet earlier, or she made a tweet, she tweeted earlier this month um, uh, about uh, TSA rules and and their decision to extend the current mask mandate. And this came after uh, federal uh, CDC officials decided to um, revise its masking guidance and decide that, um, you know, certain areas with low virus spread can take off their masks in public. But TSA um, went the separate route, um, and so she tweeted out, there is no scientific reason for the TSA to extend the current mask mandate, especially given the high-quality air filtration technology and planes and the new CDC guidance. Um, And so she tweeted this, uh, calling on the TSA to rescind their mask mandate extension, which I believe is supposed to end next month. So I'm hoping to find out what scientific evidence she has for... um, and extending the current mask mandate and why that's a bad thing. Yeah. And that'll be interesting. I, I believe this is not the first COVID related claim we've had from um, Ms. Miller Meeks. Is that right? 
That, that is correct. Um, I believe we checked her earlier in the pandemic. Um, I can't remember the specific statement, but it was about how children don't spread COVID-19 or are less likely to spread COVID-19, I believe. Um, and I think she was kind of citing some faulty studies, but, um, you know, I think it was early enough in the pandemic, we didn't have the full understanding. I'd have to go back and look at that grade. Um, but yeah, we've checked her for that before. And just scrolling through her um, her Twitter account, she periodically kind of makes these claims about how there's no scientific reason for X and X mandate or X and X rule from. Um, I think more recently, I saw something about mass and public transportation and why there's no scientific basis for that. So it is interesting that she's kind of continuing on the stance. So it'll be interesting to see what, what evidence she points to. Yeah. All right. Well, it is time to wrap it up. Our Fact Checker podcast is edited by Craig Jamolis. Our Fact Checker is produced by Stephen Colbert. And our music is Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod. I'm Elijah Decius. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm Marissa Payne. And until next time, we'll fact check you later.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.